podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I had a pretty momentous weekend in that I am eligible for my Saucy membership. They have altered the rules slightly so that if because we can't get there because of the pandemic, you can actually do it remotely rather than get into the stadium, which means, you know, so I've put everything together to get my Saucy membership. And it's for it's for performances like yesterday's second half that I want to be associated with this club to that level. Right. And we lost, and I don't care that we lost. It's, it matters to me. You know, I, I want... I feel proud when I talk about my club. I, I wouldn't feel proud if I was a Madrid fan yesterday. I'd be happy that we won. But football has to be bigger than trophies unless unless you're in the team that's winning them. Right. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson. Joining me today, of course, is Craig McGuff. Craig, say hello. Hi. And today we're talking about FC Barcelona's loss to Real Madrid over the weekend. Final score, of course, was Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 1. Uh, that's um, over 2 for Barcelona this season in Clasicos. In fact, they haven't beaten Real Madrid in two years. March 2019 was their last win in the Classico. So Craig, wow. I when we talked about the fact that we were going to record this this weekend, you suggested that, you know, we might not be able to uh, you not you might not be able to because <laughs> you might still be crying if the result of the Classico was not what you'd wished for. And luckily you're not in tears right now. So, how are you how are you doing with this loss today? We're recording I'm... the day after the game. So, we you've had a little bit of time to process. Yeah, I <sighs> This feels very strange for me because losing to Madrid hurts. The only, the only team that's worse to lose to is Espanyol. Um, but because they're now terrible and not in our league, literally and figuratively, yeah. that doesn't happen. So I, I, I would expect to be really upset, but I'm not. I'm not. Hmm. My overriding takeaway, and I'm sure we'll delve deeper into this, is that we had a very young team compete and fight against our arguably biggest rival, and I tried to put it into some perspective last night. And I was thinking, if you just said to me after the first classical, which did hurt, yeah, would I have taken that performance last night? I'd have, I'd have said yes, even, even with the loss. And then if you also then look at the league table, I firmly believe it's still in our hands because of the way the fixtures pan up. So I, I'm all right. I'm actually positive. It hurts to lose. It hurts to lose against them. Horrible bunch of people. But I'm good. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I'm fine too. And I think a lot of the the same things um, that we're probably going to get into is that this team, they played well. I think that the failings were, well, I think the goals that Real Madrid scored were, the second one was a bit of a fluke, but they definitely came from mistakes on mm-hmm. the part of Barcelona players. One from Jordi Alba, the veteran left back, one from Sergio Dest, the, the young promising mm-hmm. right back. So I'm and so on balance, I'm okay with that. I think overall, um, they stepped up their passing in the second half. In the first half, Barcelona's passing was atrocious. Real Madrid really had better passing than them. Um, but I think ultimately, for me, it was a, a poor tactical calculation on Kuman's part. Hundred percent. I think the players went out there and did. You know, I mean, obviously, not all of them played up to their potential, but you know, they did a pretty good mm. job. And really, it was that Kuman went with um, the wrong lineup. You know, I'm not trying to pull him down either. I'm not trying to say that he, you know, made a huge mistake, but he he went with this tactical formation that he's been happy with, he's been comfortable with and getting good mm-hmm. results with, and it just didn't have the bite going forward that, that the club needed. Yeah, I mean, I would love... It, it's pointless as 
you know, hauling him over the coals because I think everyone with eyes understands that that first half shouldn't have gone the way it did. I'd love to have been in the dressing room or in the manager's office when he decided to play Dembele as a nine. Now, I don't think it's ridiculous. No, not at all. But I see very little logic to it. I know that sounds oxymoronic. (laughs) I, I get it if we're playing a team with a high line, but Madrid from three minutes in, we're quite clearly going to sit deep. I mean, a master stroke from Zidane, if he meant it, if he had an inkling that was going to happen and, and Zidane set up like that, then fair play, you know, for a manager who people will say tactically not amazing, he just gets the best out of his group of players. If that was deliberate, then, you know, chapeau to, to, to Zidane. But Dembele is not a nine against a team that sits like that. And I think right. that that for me is is the crux of that first half. I think, yes, there was mistakes for the goals. Um, if you look at the three chances Madrid had, on all three of them, you've got to ask what Jordi Alba's doing positionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, just awful. I mean, the one when I think it was Fede Valverde hit the post. Was it Valverde? I think it was. Yeah, it was Valverde. When, when he hit the post, I mean, Alba's in front of Busquets. What, mm-hmm. what, are you do, what are you doing there? The shots from, from your side of the pitch. So I think the, mis- the mistakes are what they are, and you, you kind of have to take them on the chin. But to me, everything starts and stops with playing Dembele as a nine because we controlled the ball, but possession without penetration is pointless. I put this in our in our WhatsApp chat. And I think that was the issue, is that we never looked we never looked really troubled. But then when we had the ball, there was just no outlet. And, you know, it was messy wide and back. Messi yeah. wide and back, Messi wide and back. And eventually I think Madrid just sussed it and, and they had their game plan perfect. But, you know, there's a saying, isn't there? You, you either win or you learn. And hopefully there's some learns out of this, but the biggest performance... A, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. It's very LinkedIn. Because, it's a very LinkedIn phrase. Yeah, because I've seen plenty of people lose and not learn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, I've you know, myself. It, it, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the table the table definitely has a, a win, a draw and a loss column, not a win, a draw and a learn column, unless I'm getting right. that L wrong. Um, but, you know, if we look at it, we're a young team. And I think tactically, if if we look at Kuman getting another season, which I think he should, then hopefully he learns from this and he realizes that, you know, Dembele is a two. We've seen it work. Dembele on his own, he's not a nine. No, I mean, I don't think he's ever really been a nine, but he has, but Kuman has had success, like you mm. said, when they're playing weaker teams who are going to play a higher line. Yeah, that's it. Because you, you, you take advantage of the one big thing that Dembele has that nobody else has is his speed. Mm-hmm. No center back has, at least. No, no, I mean, not, not over the distances he was able to get, particularly in the athletic game. Uh, where he just caught them completely by surprise. No one was catching him with that 20, 30 yards of space to run into. And I think that was the crux. I think, you know, it's kind of shoulda, woulda, coulda. But if we line up remotely conventionally in the the final third of the pitch, and and, and I'm going to say, I think if Griezmann plays, I think it's a very different game from the start. But at the same time, when the lineup was released, because I didn't expect Dembele to play as a nine, I don't know about you, but when I saw the lineup, I was relatively happy. I think... I definitely felt there was a little bit of overconfidence with Madrid centre-halves. They're inexperienced, but people would say, no, that's it. That's it. Look yeah. at their centre-halves. We're, we're, we're good. And I just don't, I think that's a very, very difficult trap to fall into. But in general, I thought, yeah, we, we can give this a good goal and we'll get something here. But yeah, you've got to feel for Dan Belly as well. But yeah. yeah, you know, it's mistakes, it's control. But I really, really, really like the fact that for a team over the last three years that we've seen collapse like a wet paper bag, whenever the first bit of pressure comes on um, the fact that we came out at half time in those conditions against that team and we completely turned it around can only be a positive for me. 
Yeah, and the conditions were exceptionally Horrendous. Bad. Yeah, when, I mean, like, we, you could barely even see the game. It was like a fog of just rain mm. uh, on the on, between the camera lens and the players. It was just ridiculous at times. That, and that's when, strangely, that's when Barcelona scored their only goal. Mm. Did you did you see, um, I'm assuming we get the same feed globally, but did you sure. see the clip of Messi physically shaking when no. he was when he was trying to change his jersey? The, the, the zoomed in on him. When, do you know when he changed his, his, his jersey in the middle yeah, of the second half? Yeah, I looked half? away when he was doing that. But they zoomed yeah. in, and, he, and honestly, he looked hypothermic. It was it was worrying. And um, so I think, you know, to come back in those conditions when, uh, you know, yeah, as I say, when we've seen them collapse in the past, I think there's a lot of positives. I think you, we're going to have the obvious pain from lots of people of losing to Madrid, but the league wasn't lost yesterday. No. The a bit of pride was hurt. You know, I, I didn't realize it was two years since we'd won, and that's terrible. Um, yeah. But I think yesterday, the only thing that was lost in the grand scheme of things was a bit of pride. Right, yeah. And I, yeah, like you said, I think they played better than in the first leg, uh, first Classico back in you know October. Mm. So there's positives to be gotten there but yeah it's a, a point well taken that the league wasn't completely lost and that's the big mind blower about it for me actually is that they didn't lose the league with this game it would have been great had they won the game and just really leapfrog and put that mm-hmm. much more pressure on atletico madrid but they still didn't actually lose the league and no. what six weeks ago we were talking about or even i don't know 12 weeks ago we were talking about how they're going to be have to fight for fourth place that's it and i you know just in, in terms of context as well i think if we'd have won yesterday i would have been saying the same thing which is we never won the league yesterday i think the the league atleti lost the league last night mm that i think i think that that's what happened last night is that atleti now will will crumble i firmly believe that i think you, the, whoever wins the league will be from will be from the game that, that happened last night but yeah well, i mean they lost points on sunday they just drew real betis 1-1 that's it and you know you you've now got people breathing down your neck i think um yeah i, I think atleti are done now but um i think it's in our hands still but yeah i i remember at the start of the season saying i didn't think we had a hope in hell's chance i remember as you said a few months ago, pre-Christmas, saying we'll be looking, you know, we'll, play, we'll be playing Europa League football, yeah. and, and I was forty percent joking. Yeah, um, you know, I had a real worry about where we were. We looked, we looked aimless. Whereas now, I think not only do we have a squad that looks like it can compete again, but we've got a young squad that looks like it can, it can compete again. And I think what I feel I am seeing is not just a forced and necessary rebuild because we needed to economically, but what's looking like it could be a really exciting, really fruitful rebuild. You know, I said I was nervous before the game of Mingessa and Araujo, and they were great yesterday. They were yeah. really, really, really good. Elias Mariba came on. Do you remember before before he went a little bit older and a little bit mental? We used to bring, <laughs> we used to bring Arturo Vidal on. Oh, yeah. to put some edge into the game and to, you know, really trying to drive us forward. And he was great at it. Or, you know, we had Sedu Keita back in the day, but we'd bring players in to kind of drive the team on in the last 25 minutes. Elijah Mariba did that yesterday. De Jong looked superb on the ball. Uh, Pedri, weirdly yesterday, Pedri had an off game and he was still one of the best players on the pitch. That's how good he is. So I think if we look at this in context, we have got, we've got a young team, largely of Canderanos, that went and performed against a not a bad Madrid side yesterday. So I think it bodes well. I think the record is terrible. I think Kuman definitely has an issue, statistically at least, with the big games. And I don't know if you want to delve into that a little bit further, but his record in the big games is is, is fairly poor over two legs. 
but the building the building blocks are there, and that's my overriding feeling. I'm so excited for the next season, no matter what happens this season now. And that, and that yeah. performance just reinforced it for me. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it, even if we just keep what's going on right now, I would still be uh, looking forward to next season. Partic- actually, as particularly if Kuman continues to play the youth the way that he's been playing mm-hmm. the youth, because that's always sort of the thing that we're watching out for, is that we don't want to support a a club that just, uh, you know, hires mercenaries, right? We want a club that sort of stands for something that stands for developing a particular yep. philosophy and a particular kind of football. And they play players who are good at that and get results. They're not, yep. they don't just do that, but they also get results in the top flight. Yeah. Yeah, abs- you know absolutely. It, it has to be, it has to be about more than trophies for me. And I know not yeah. everyone will agree. I think that's something that's coming with age for me. I used to, I used to live and die by these results. So this this would have knocked this would have broken my weekend ten mm-hmm. years ago, pre marriage, pre kids. But now it's a, it has to be about more than trophies because trophies are so fleeting and ultimately we're not on the pitch, right? So it, it it's our shared success, but it's not our success. Is is how I see it now. Yeah. For me, it's about entertainment and it's about I I have the badge tattooed on me because it means something. I don't have the La Liga trophy tattooed on me. I don't have the Copa <laughs> del Rey tattooed on me. I've got the badge because the badge matters and it's entertainment and it's about something bigger. And I think we're seeing that now. We didn't have that at the start of the year. We were a, we were a, we were a laughing stock. Let's let's not remember how far we've come this season. We were the laughing stock of world football at the start of this year. We you know we were meme tastic. Yeah. <laughs> And now there's a bit of pride back in the shirt. We, people are now looking at us. I'm not going to say overly envious necessarily, but they're looking at us with a with a curiosity that says, "Okay, this team could do something." I think we're a left back away from being really competitive. That 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 matters to me. You know, having youngsters in there, even if they're not from La Masia. So you know, having De Jong in there, having Pedri in there. Obviously, these are people that we've brought through. But seeing young players who want to get on the ball and make something happen. That matters to me, and I think yeah. we're seeing we're seeing that, and I take a lot of pride in that, and I think Kuman's got to get a lot got to get a lot of credit, but at the same time, we have to learn from the we, you know we we can't be all you know unicorns and rainbows when we <laughs> when we lose games, you know no, it's it, ultimately it's a, it's a it, it's a business of results, but you know I just hope that Kuman learns from it. We seem to be we seem to be growing. I think again from the start of the season, he seems to be more adaptable. He changed it at half time. How how many times in the first? 10, 12 games where we get into 85 minutes losing, thinking, oh, come on, this isn't working. So I think it's been a bit of a journey this season, but that, you know, yesterday encapsulated a lot of the good stuff. When the season began, Messi had recently asked to exercise this clause in his contract that allowed him to terminate his employment when he wanted, and he was denied because of timing. Rather than take the club to court, he agreed to play, and it seemed clear that he really wasn't interested. Then Bartomeu stepped down, Messi's game began to improve. Now, Joan Laporta is the new president, and he's received some demands from Messi in order for him to stay with the club. So we'll get into that after a short break. Yeah, coming back to this idea of uh, not just being about trophies, which mm. I fully sympathize with with that perspective. I know that a lot of fans, uh, they they care about results first, regardless mm-hmm. of what they might say when it really comes down to it. They actually just care about the trophies mm-hmm. and Messi, right? There's <laughs> like the two things that people care about are yeah, winning agree. and Messi. So you can't um, and Ricky Pooch. Well, oh yeah, sure. And Ricky Pooch. <laughs> he's a fan favorite for yeah. And no, no appearance from Ricky Pooch in this match. I was, mm-hmm. you know, all the subs were actually done by before mm-hmm. he would normally come on in the 89th minute. Yeah, but um, 
but yeah, it's just like you can't you can't say that losing is okay, and you really can't say anything about about Messi that might be even be remotely construed as as negative. But in any case, it, going back to the beginning of this season, not only were we a laughingstock, but there was this whole um, kerfuffle where Messi had wanted to mm-hmm. leave the club. He even made it clear, made it known that he wanted to leave the club. Uh, of course, Bartomeu was still the president at the time and they um they kind of i mean really they really bent him over on that one mm-hmm. and said no you you actually don't have that clause yeah. at your disposal right now you have to stay and so he was playing and it seemed like he was re- just so not into it mm-hmm. so over it and that i i figured he's going to play out this season and then he's going to leave yeah, and that's going to be it and there's no way that he's going to be convinced to stay and now i'm thinking that's not true. He might actually stay. He's he's actually made it very clear what his demands are mm-hmm. in order to stay. Um, I have my suspicions about that, but he's made five clear demands of the new president of Laporta that will you know that he needs in order to sign that dotted line and stay another year. What do you think about that? What what were the five demands? I've not seen them written out. All right. So this was originally reported on Eurosport, and I'm reading a sort of a translated blog post yep. on it. Um, but in summary, here are the five demands. One, build a competitive squad capable of challenging for the Champions League again. Not necessarily next season, but mm-hmm. that's the project, right? Two, vast improvement of the current recruitment strategy. You know, no more um, duds like Phil- Philippe Coutinho and Martin Braithwaite are the examples given. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, Messi said that, said those names. I think this is some <laughs> editorialization on the author's part. Um, but also Braithwaite, that was a that was an out of the ordinary situation. It was, yeah. It's not fair to just name him like it was a part of an overall bad transfer strategy. Anyway, three Messi would like to continue operating as a mentor for the emerging academy stars such as Pedri and Ansufati, and wants the club to continue growing organically. Four strong communication lines with Ronald Koeman. They have already been established, and Messi is keen to avoid the toxicity that defined Luis Enrique's tenure. Mm-hmm. And then finally, direct communication with Laporta. So basically, Messi wants to be a little bit more involved with the business end of things. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. But overall, just the fact that he is interested in a good recruitment strategy, building a competitive squad for Champions League, and mm-hmm. mainly to foster the youth, foster the young players. Yeah. That's that, huge. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think ordinarily the fifth one would give me a lot of concern, but then you look at Laporte and you think, well, that's happening in the other direction regardless. Right. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Messi, if Messi gets invited to Laporte's house once a week for dinner mm-hmm. um, because he's infatuated with him and why not, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, the fifth one ordinarily would, would be would be a, con, a cause for concern, but in the circumstances, let's let it slide. The other four are exactly what we should have been doing. It's yeah. kind of laughable that they have to be written out as changes, but I agree with him. And it's kind of, that embodies Messi on club. And that's that's a system that obviously Messi came through. I mean, a, a lot was written about Rijkaard's time towards the end. But again, Messi on club was thriving under Rijkaard's time prim, primarily. Um, and then obviously you've got the mood, the time into Pep's, Pep's tenure or whatnot. And, that, and that's that's fair enough. They're, they're really solid, really sensible, really collectivized demands you know they have nothing to do with him they're not diva no then they're not it's it's kind of the legacy of the he wants the legacy of the club to be cemented rather than his own legacy that they're 
that that's really exciting that yeah i i can't pick a fault with that yeah and another thing about mescue and club that you've kind of danced around that i just want to point out explicitly is that mescue and club means sometimes we don't win trophies and we we if we want to believe in that then we have to be okay with a hundred percent downside of that the biggest thing that rammed whole mescue and club for me in terms of contemporary references because obviously the you look back at you know there's courts being used as a safe haven for Catalans and stuff. And I don't, I don't mean to diminish the their real historic Mescune club stuff for Catalans. And we don't need to dive into that now by any means. But in, in terms right. of contemporary contemporary times, the the biggest reference for me for Mescune club where I was like, okay, I, I get this as a, as a fan now, was Pep's first game. We get beat by Numanthia 1-0, I believe. Mm. Um, everyone's going, oh, he's, this guy's not good enough. This is terrible. And then Johan Cruyff by all accounts, said, that's this is amazing. This is so <laughs> positive. I've, I haven't enjoyed a game like that in years watching this Barca side. That's Mescu and Club. We do right. things the right way. And winning is a byproduct of the right things. It's not the means to the end. It's the reason we didn't employ Mourinho. It's the reason that we shouldn't have gone down different routes than when we could have done with other managers. And I agree with you 100%. Trophies are a byproduct. If you, if you only want to win trophies, you're following the wrong side of the Classico. And Madrid are the, the best at it in world football. Just win. Find a way of winning. Yeah, they did it against Liverpool earlier in the week. 100%. They've, they've done it throughout their history. I mean, how many finals has Ramos just found a way of winning? They just win. You know, the, I think it was Butragueño's team that was the first side that really hammed home a reputation for that. F- for me, it's about something bigger. I know it's the same for you. I know we're in a bit of a an echo chamber with that. But to well, me, to, that's I what mean, we to, are. To bring the other idea in, it's I think that there is an argument that's that's still fairly valid that says, okay, sure, trophies are a byproduct and we want to do things the right way. But couldn't we just maybe now and then make small adjustments <laughs> so that we can get through a round of the Champions League, for example, or just, you know, e- eke out those three points in La Liga? It's an interesting point, right? Yeah, like I, the best period of my life was when we were winning trophies. Sure. But it's because under Pep, I should caveat. But it's because we were the way we played football, right? Yeah. Really, yeah. I I would have sacrificed a couple of Copa del Rey. Here's what the, the what I would throw back to that. Yes, we want to be winning trophies again. Of course we do. Would you reverse Roma and reverse Anfield for two seasons of playing four five one? And I hate the term, but parking the bus. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't because there was even in those dark seasons. There was times when we played some really nice football and and I, every game I turn on, I expect us to play football that entertains me. I wouldn't follow a Mourinho team if you paid me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, you know, if Mourinho comes to Barcelona in the summer, I'm not going to change my allegiance, obviously, but it would, I I would watch a significantly fewer proportion of the games. Yeah, it would definitely cool your excitement. Without doubt. You know, what... Because you know what you're going to get and you know it's not going to be what you want. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't entertain me. It doesn't... It's not the football that I think we should play. It's not Cruyff Easter. And that's not to be a, you know, I, I'm not being, don't idolize Cruyff to the extent that I can't see any other ways of football being played. It's not that. It's just that the one, that's the style that resonates with me. Would I handle never winning a trophy for the next decade, but enjoying every season? Yeah, I would. And I know wow. that's good. And I know a lot of people would disagree with that because you need trophies, but would I handle a competitive, entertaining I mean, I'm not Barcelona sure if I totally side? Believe you, and I'm not sure that you're ever going to have to actually I'm, deal with it. But no, I, <laughs> let, let's hope not. But I'm, I'm deadly, but deadly, deadly serious. I've, 
I'm a passionate Scotland supporter. We've won nothing in history. Oh, yeah, that's true. We've never won a trophy. But do you know what? Throughout big patches of history, we've played good football. We'd happily go and get beat 4-1 by Germany if we try and play the right way. We don't care. Mm-hmm. And I follow that through to my club football. I genuinely, they're not my trophies. They're not my medals. Right. I don't I don't right. get a win bonus. I don't get a medal. It's not my Wikipedia page that gets updated. It's not my legacy. I'm yeah. a fan. And I'm a fan of this club because we do things the right way in my eyes. We haven't yeah. always in recent times, but we should do. And that's where I am. Genuinely, if we were competitive and entertaining, that's enough for me. And I think, you know, hopefully trophies are the byproduct of that. And, and I truly believe that's the essence of Barcelonismo, which is we win because we do things right. We don't win because we win and win, al- win alone. That's right. that's a Madridista trait, and they're brilliant at it. Let them have it. Right. For me... Right. We should stand for more. We're a reference point. We should we should be a reference point for world football. I don't care how arrogant this sounds. We should mm. be a reference point for doing things correctly. And I think we did that yesterday. You saw a Madrid side that, to me, sacrificed football. I'm not knocking them. They're not quite Hatafe. But <laughs> it, I don't see how a Madrid fan, result aside, enjoys that performance yesterday. You could probably enjoy the performance of Vinicius Jr. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably enjoy seeing Marcelo come on the pitch and look all right from a from a nostalgia perspective. Um, what about Benzema's I, finish on that first goal? He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. Like, so you, know, you can enjoy that. Yeah, but he, he did very little else in the game. Sure. I, well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, what he's else done does his, he do? He's done his job, right? But so I'm not. I'm not knocking him. But as a Madrid fan, do I think I would have walked away from that game yesterday? excited to review it on a podcast for example not really would i have been telling my friends you should really watch the highlights not really no uh would i be proud to say that that was my club i don't think so right whereas i'm proud of our second half performance because we knocked the ball around we played we tried to be creative we we moved the ball at speed and we lost you know i'm yeah i i don't care i don't care as much about trophies that i care about the badge right right you care about the game and that's the funny thing, right? You can you can connect, you can um, attach your identity and sense of self value to a trophy or to a scoreline that other people won, and you don't need to watch a game at all in order mm-hmm. to do that, right? Yeah. This is what we're talking about is something different. We're talking about you know appreciating something um, at times beautiful, um, but competitive, um, athletically impressive. Uh, intelligent, technically impressive, mm-hmm. all of these things. But that means that you have to actually watch it and you have to experience it. You don't have to do any of that if all you care about are trophies and scorelines. You can just check your phone periodically. That, that's it. Yeah, you, you start collecting. I completely agree. And and that's that's why I'm not hurt by yesterday's performance because there was there was positives to take from there. Mm-hmm. You look at that second half and you think, okay, I can I can support this. Yeah, I. I I will get on a plane to go and watch this. Obviously, our our um, listener base is disparate globally. Mm-hmm. Would you jump on a plane to go and watch the the essence of Barcelona? We all probably would. Yeah. Would you jump on a plane I to go? I have done. And, yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. You know, <laughs> would you would you jump on a plane to go and watch a Mourinho team grind out a one nil win? I wouldn't. No. I'd rather spend my money on ice cream. <laughs> because it, it would, it, it would, well, yeah, but it, it, it would entertain me. No, football to me has to mean something bigger. And if we look at what we're doing this season with the youth, if we're looking at what Messi's saying, if that if that list of five is true, if we look at what Kuman I think is trying to do, even though he's had some bumps in the road with it, 
it's bigger than results. It's about performances and growth. And I, I back that every day of the week. That's yeah. not where we were at the start of the year. At the start of the year, we were horrible. We didn't right. play well. We looked disinterested in terms of the players that we needed to shine. We were going to old heads instead of youth. The complete reverse of what we're doing now. And that that's why I'm so bought in. I feel proud when I talk about my club. I, I wouldn't feel proud if I was a Madrid fan yesterday. I'd be happy that we won. But yeah, I'm, I'm going around in circles with this, but. Right. Well, let me pull you out of the circle. Get you, get you, get you off your own merry-go-round. Exactly. And just uh, point out that we're playing Athletic Club next Saturday for mm. the Copa del Rey final, and we just finished this whole conversation about trophies versus not trophies. Um, again, I think we agree. We just want to see a particular kind of um, style of play, a, mm-hmm. a particular level of play, and if they bring that. I do think they can win. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think what what I hope is that the trophy validates the improvement. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. where I am. Let's go out to continue the progress. Let's not go out just to win the trophy. That's historically how we've got our success. We went out and we played the way that we played and we won. Or we played the way that we played and we lost. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. So I hope we carry on that. I think we should be comfortable looking at where we are now against this club. We should win. You'd like to think there's enough winners in the team that will carry us through, but it would be nice to have it rubber stamped again. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not anti-success. <laughs> like, right, right. Who, who, who is in the world? I want us to win, but you know, I, I hope that we've learned the lessons from from yesterday, and we go out and we really try and dominate dominate the game, and we put a few bodies up front because when we do that, we we've looked great this year. I, I'd expect us to go with a um, either a four three three or a, at least a three five two, a proper three five two, not a. Three five two, but Messi's withdrawn because that it doesn't work, does it? We've seen it, but I'm I, I'm excited to see what to see what we do. What's your what's your prediction on it? What, what do you think will happen? I think that for all of Kuman's uh, flexibility, all the flexibility that he's shown in his lineups and his tactics and his willingness to change, he is still maybe sometimes not quite making the right. Well, what I think is the right decision in his lineup. Mainly, I I want to see more forwards. And I want to see wingers. I want to see Trincao out on the right, Dembe- mm. Dembele out on the left. I want to mm. see a nine. Well, I want to see Griezmann or has Braithwaite. To, has to um, be Griezmann for me. All in the front and then Messi in behind. Yeah. Who, who I would want you to see that width and that attack. That's what I want to see. Will Kuman do that? Probably not. He's probably going to do his 3-5-2. Uh, with, he's, he might even play Dembele as a nine again. He did get that success from the four three three against uh, Madrid this past weekend, so maybe he'll he'll just go ahead and start with that. Those are the two possibilities. But I know that I, I know what I would like to see, and I'm very confident that I'm not going to see it. Yeah, I, I I think Griezmann has to start. I think Griezmann has to start every game between now and the end of the year. Personally, mm-hmm. we we look better with him in the team. I, I firmly believe that his work rate is just second to none. Yeah, he, he's, he's always an outlet for the ball. He, he does a lot of the 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 dirty work, a lot of the unattractive seven yard wall passes he does a lot of that stuff i think griezmann has to start i think if he does we'll we'll, we'll be very comfortable yeah i i, I think we'll be we'll, we'll be comfortable i expect us to win with yeah. relative ease all right well we'll see what happens and uh we'll talk about it next week thanks for listening sports social podcast network